We each have our own gift to give, and yours is unique. What reality you want to create, that's your choice, always. No one can take that from you. Good day, everyone. I'm Callan Corelli, and I have with me today Zuby. I'm super, I'm super excited to be talking to you. I've been following you for uh, a little over a year now uh, on Twitter, and, uh, and then we connected a, 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 like a month ago or something like that. But I saw you, you blast onto the world with a video of you lifting, deadlifting, uh, setting the world record for deadlifting <laughs> for... <laughs> For women, um, quite a feat uh, on so many levels, <laughs> and it's just been a joy, honestly. To like, you're you're such a breath of fresh air in the in the Twitter Twitter universe. Um, so just I amazed that the way that you think and the way that you operate um, in the world, and then on top of it, you're a rapper, and um, you're obviously very fit. You lift and you keep yourself in shape. So. I'd love to dig in and, and get to know you better. So it's really what we're here for. Cool. Um, well, thank you very much. I, I appreciate that. It's, a, it's an honor to, yeah, all the, all the very nice things you just said about me. I appreciate it. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, it's really, it's really phenomenal um, and inspiring. So like where I know that you were born in Nigeria and you live in the UK now, like what's, what's your story? What's your background? I was actually born in the UK. Oh, you were born in the UK. Yeah, I was I born in the UK and grew up in Saudi Arabia. And, oh, I and now I live in the UK. What's Nigeria? Is that something that I've just No, up? you didn't make that up. No, my, I, okay. I am Nigerian too. My family background is from Nigeria. Both of my parents Ooh. are Nigerian, but I myself have never lived in Nigeria for any significant amount of time. Got it. Okay. Yeah. All right. It's like, where, how, did you, how did you become who you are? What's your, what's your story, man? Wow. Where do we begin? Okay. Well, in terms of my life story, so as we were saying, I was born in the UK to Nigerian parents. I'm the last of five children. When I was one year old, my parents moved to Saudi Arabia. So I lived in Saudi Arabia for about 20 years in total. I went to school there from preschool all the way up until fifth grade. I was in the American school system, hence the hybrid accent. And then I went to boarding school in the UK when I was 11 years old. I went to um, Oxford University. Your parents I did... stayed in Saudi Arabia? And you... Yeah, my, parent, my parents were still in Saudi when I was in boarding school and also when I was in university. What was it like growing up in Saudi Arabia? We hear so many things here. About yeah, I mean, it, it, honestly, it was great. Honestly, it was, it was fantastic. <laughs> it was, it was a, a wonderful life. Um, and yeah, Saudi is a, it's a very interesting country. It's quite different in a lot of ways. But where I grew up was primarily an expat compound. So I lived in what they call a camp. So where I lived, it wasn't primarily Saudi nationals. It was primarily people from all, everywhere else in the world, other Arab countries, America, Canada, the UK, all over, really. Um, so I grew up in a very, very diverse place within Saudi. But then outside of that little bubble, I mean, where I lived, there were only like I don't know what the population was. I want to say about 2,000 people. It was very, very small. And then um, outside of that, of course, you've got the real Saudi. So if you want to go out and you want to go shopping or just go go anywhere else, then that's when you're kind of in what I would call the real Saudi. So there are sort of two, maybe probably even more than two, there's sort of like multiple worlds going on there, just like there can be in lots of different cities or even countries, depending on where you are and even who you are 
your experience might be totally different. But overall, my, um, I mean, my, I had a great childhood. The, the schools I went to were, were really good. I come from a wonderful family, got great friends, everything like that. I'm truly blessed in a lot of ways. And um, in terms of Saudi specifically, yeah, I mean, I've, I've mostly got positive things to say about the country, which annoys a lot of people, but I'm not going <laughs> to crap on the place I lived in for 20 years just because someone who's never even been there and has just read a couple of news articles thinks that I should. Yeah, yeah. No, you don't seem to be someone who, uh, who takes um, the opinions that are being served to you and <laughs> they have to be yours. <laughs> was that, I'm curious, like, was that a, um, a fairly, you say it was a diverse community. Was it also like, were people there for a specific reason or were people there yes. for all kinds of different reasons? Yes. Where I lived. Okay. Let me, let me explain this. So have you ever heard of a company called Aramco? I have. Yeah. You have. Okay. So Aramco is the biggest company in the world. And I think it's also the most valuable company in the world over $2 trillion when they went, they had their IPO this year, I believe. Um, wow. So Saudi Aramco is this gigantic oil company and natural gas company in Saudi Arabia with thousands and thousands and thousands of employees. So where I lived, everybody where I lived worked for the same company. Got it. So if Got you it. imagine a town, if, or if you imagine if you imagine a company owning multiple towns, right. that's essentially what it, that's essentially what it was like. Kind of um, like Motown back in the heyday or something like that. It was like, oh, wow, I don't even I don't I don't even know if there's anything that's really comparable. <laughs> the most comparable thing would be something like a military base, maybe, or like right. a military camp where you have right. um, people and their entire families all living in one place, and they're all there, kind of working for the same thing. So. Yeah, so basically everyone was like a, a teacher, a doctor, or an engineer, or some kind right. of like <laughs> IT person, because that's all that that's all that right. they want, that's all that they need. So it was very it was very much a bubble in that sense. Mm -hmm. um, so I, I'm totally the where where I grew up is very different from the sort of main part of Saudi. But of course, living there for twenty years, like it's not like you just uh, stay in this tiny place the whole time. You do go out to other cities, you do travel around. So depending yeah. on where you are, you sort of experience the two different sides of it. Gotcha. And so what, what made your um, parents move originally from Nigeria to the UK? That's a good question. I mean, I think in large part, I mean, I, I obviously didn't exist at this time, <laughs> but um, as far as I know, it was you know, primarily opportunities. Opportunities, I mean, in the UK, in countries like the UK and the USA and Canada, there typically are more opportunities for, especially for highly educated people to come over and make a living and have a family and everything like that. So the primary reasons would have been based along those lines, creating a better life for, creating a better life for themselves and affording more opportunities for myself and my siblings. And so your dad was which one? Which was he? An engineer? I'm assuming. No, my dad's dad. a, my dad's a medical doctor. Medical doctor. So that's yeah, my what dad's brought him to Aramco. Yeah, got it. Nice. And then you got to you said you got to the UK again at a boarding school at age. What did you say? Eleven. Eleven. Yeah, I went to boarding yeah. school when I was eleven. Mm -hmm. And did you so, stay in the UK then from then on? No, I was going every. So I'd be in the UK during during term time. And then I'd go mm -hmm. back to Saudi Arabia during the holidays. So I'd be back and forth between the two countries three or four times a year, typically. Mm -hmm. And when yeah. did you move to the UK more? Like, when, like this permanently? <laughs> I, yeah, I don't know if it's permanent because I know that maybe yeah, you move well, over for now. here. <laughs> yeah, 2008. 
2008. All right. 2008. You like it? Yeah, the UK is cool, man. I mean, I'm like, like I said, I mean, 2008, but I'd, I'd been here for a decade before that, just mm-hmm. not on a permanent basis. Um, no, I, I, lo- I love the UK. Um, I, I love, I have love for all four countries and cultures that I've primarily grown up in and surrounded by, which would be the UK, Nigeria, Saudi Arabia, and the USA. Those are the three countries and nations and sort of groups of people that have shaped me the most and that I've experienced the most and that my worldview becomes somewhat shaped by. I think the reason why I have a lot of interesting and unique perspectives is because of this unique background and upbringing. And all of these cultures are very different. All of the societies are different. The entire legal systems are different. Even the religions are different, right? There's there's a lot of stuff that differentiates these countries and they all have their strengths and their weaknesses, their pros and their cons, aspects of the culture that I admire and appreciate and respect and other yeah. things that I really wish I could I could change if I were some sort of supreme being or something like that. But that's given me the opportunity and the ability to see things from a lot of different angles. So, for example, it's funny discussing a country like Saudi Arabia or even Nigeria to a degree with people in the West, because firstly, most people have never been there. But despite that, people have very, it's one of the few countries in the world that almost nobody has been to, but everybody seems to have a really strong opinion about. And oftentimes there can be a kernel of truth in some of the things that they're saying, but it's such a biased, oftentimes extremely arrogant, extremely ignorant position that people take because they're not able to see anything beyond what they know, right? If someone is born in the UK and grew up in the UK and has never, hasn't really traveled much or experienced other countries and other ways of life, then it's very easy to think, okay, this is just the default. This is, everything should be like the UK or everything is like the UK and anything that doesn't fit exactly with their worldview they can't even attempt to understand it. It doesn't mean you need to agree with every aspect of it. And I don't agree with every aspect of it, but have this idea that everything here is perfect and everything here is wrong and that there's nothing, and that there's nothing. I I grew up in Denmark, right? And then, and then I moved to the, uh, to the U S to New York in 1999. And, and that like, since that move, there is something where like, I just connect it better with people who who's lived on at least two continents. Right? Mm-hmm. I've had that yeah, feeling. Like, like, it just shows shows you like things are similar, but they're different. And there's like getting getting those differences. And then later, I I ended up living a year in India. Right? Oh, and interesting. So experiencing that culture, it's I think it's so it's so helpful to to ex- not just travel and be a tourist, right? But to mm-hmm. actually get to live there a little bit and and get it, that experience. And it just, yeah. yeah, it gives you, gives you such valuable perspective on. Yeah, absolutely. And I would imagine that there are things that you think are better in America than in Denmark. Sure. And there's things you think are better in Denmark than in America. And there's things mm-hmm. you think are actually better in India than sure. in Denmark or America, right? Where you're thinking, yeah. okay, like, it doesn't mean you, it doesn't mean that everything is like, it's not like you want to change America into India, right? Or I want to change the UK into Saudi Arabia. It's like, no, that's not, that's not the point, but to act like there is nothing at all that other Mm -hmm. cultures or societies can learn from each other or certain Mm -hmm. things that they may, may get right. Whilst other things are, they get wrong. 
Um, yeah, I just think it, it's good to have that experience. It's, it's part of why travel is so important. There's not really any, it's good to learn about other things. It's good to read and to talk to people and to uh, spend time online reading about stuff and whatever. But there's just no substitute for actually going somewhere and especially living somewhere for a while because you, you just get a perspective that's just so much so much deeper and you're always yeah. going to learn some you're, you're going to learn something and at least yeah. you won't be speaking from a point of total ignorance or a naivety and yeah. um i've always it seems, i always yeah, hate it sort of um that like touristy thing right where you go travel somewhere and you watch the monuments and the, the things that you have to see and all that i that's always bored me mm -hmm. like when i travel to some place i want to figure out how do the locals live and try to experience that as much as possible right yeah and it's very commendable it's very commendable yeah. well just yeah for me it's just like the other thing is just boring um the, <laughs> the monuments like i care yeah. about the people and the culture and the food and like how do they do things how do they think how do they live you know mm. um yeah yeah it's, it's much more interesting i mean if you just go to the capital city of any country and you just walk around and see a few sites for two or three days then yeah, sure. It's be it's much better than uh, not going there at all. But mm -hmm. unless you actually talk to people, I mean, you've got some people who they they travel, but they just stay in their hotel and eat McDonald's, and they don't. Yeah. You know, it's it's <laughs> kind of like, well, you're you're sort of defeating the purpose. You're just doing exactly what you do back home, but just yeah. in another location. So I'm similar. Even when I go to different countries, I mean, I think of I think I've been in thirty thirty three countries now, and um, when I travel, I also do try to get if I can. I do also try to get out of the capital city. So it's the same. When people come to the UK, I do recommend to people not just to go to London. I mean, mm -hmm. if, if, you're, if you're coming and you're only staying for two days, cool, go to London, check out London. But if you're coming for a week or more, then I recommend to people, you know, try one or two other cities, go outside of London and just see that you, there's, a, there's more to the UK than just London. And it's weird. I mean, Americans in particular use the terms the UK and London almost interchangeably. And, and so sometimes it can get a little frustrating because you're like, they're, London and the UK are not the same thing. Yeah. It would be kind Whenever of like they just... talk about Denmark, they always, they, the capital, they pronounce it Copenhagen, cause mm -hmm. they, which would be the German way to say it. I'm like, no, <laughs> like, just do like Copenhagen. That's fine. It's <laughs> better. Yeah. Oh, and you guys speak, speak Dutch? No, that's in the Netherlands. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, that's that's one. I mean, see, for for example, that would be like, of course, these are these are generalizations here. Everybody is an individual, but because of the size of America, I mean, it is just a fact that Americans travel a lot less than the average European in terms of going abroad. America and a lot of that is geography. America is huge. The USA is. And there's water on, on the <laughs> yeah. east and the west side, right? Uh, yeah, the the USA is is gigantic. So it's it's pretty much the size of mainland Europe. So I can understand some of those reasons, but again, if people don't make that effort to kind of go outside it and explore outside of it, then the worldview is always going to be limited to to some degree, and. Um, yeah, no, I, 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 I'm, I'm a huge advocate for travel. That's actually one of the biggest bummers around this whole pandemic situation. I was supposed to be in Los Angeles right now, but um, yeah, for obvious reasons, I can't even get out to the USA. So, yeah. but uh, we'll get there. 
we'll get there. We'll get our freedom back at some point, <laughs> hopefully. Fingers crossed, right? It's yeah. uh, it's pretty it's pretty insane. Um, it's yeah, funny how Sweden has a out Sweden has out freedomed America. I know, right? I'm I'm as a Dane, I'm especially jealous of this one. <laughs> <laughs> no, we just like, wow. <laughs> I know, right? Damn them, Swedes. We just had a yeah. Den- Denmark had a le- an election a couple of years ago, and they with the Social Democrats won. And apparently, from my friends in Denmark, what I understand is that she's really like sees this with everything she's got yeah. <laughs> over there. Like, yeah, some of the politicians now. are liking this way too much. They're they're really they, enjoying just. They are right. Yeah. Well, which is which is something I'm fascinated about is this process of of growing up, um, like that that most of us aren't actually really grown up, right? We're just mm. we're we're adult by age, but not you know inside, not Im- mentally, emotionally, physically, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> <You> know, <laughs> um, or spiritually, and so that's what you see, right? You have leaders that are that are babies, and all their like you know, childhood issues come out in the crisis like that. So mm-hmm. I'm just, what, what has your journey been, Ben? Like, have you, you seem like super composed, super just like calm and chill. And like you, 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 you've, seems like you've got things sorted out. Did you pop out of your mom's mother's womb like that? Or was there a process to this? <laughs> Man, it's, it's, it's both. It's nature and nurture. Um, by nature, I have, um, I have quite an extreme personality along quite a few dimensions. And uh, one of those is neuroticism, which is essentially sensitivity to negative emotion, whether that is anxiety or sadness or fear or grief, etc. I'm in the bottom 2% of the population. So... The reason I'm very calm and cool and composed in real life and online is because I'm just, I'm naturally wired that way. And I've always been that way. Um, I'm not. So what does that mean? Like bottom 2% of like neurotics, Mm -hmm. like that you are very sensitive to those or you're no, no, no. It it means if you had a hundred people in a room, there would probably only be one person Mm -hmm. who is more prone to sadness, depression, anxiety, being temperamental having a short temper, et cetera, than me. Like, I'm just super, super calm, right? Not, nothing, nothing freaks me out. Like, I don't, I don't freak out. I never shout. I never raise my voice. I don't, I don't even know. I don't even know what my shouting voice sounds like because I, I don't shout. Like, I, <laughs> you know, <laughs> I'm, I'm just very, um, whether us having this conversation right now, whether I was in like an incredible mood and something great had just happened or something awful had just happened, you probably mm. wouldn't be able to tell. Whereas with okay. a lot of people, you would. Um, Interesting. So I'm, um, yeah. So a lot that is just kind of my natural wiring. Um, but then, I've yeah, started doing a, a Tony Robbins uh, priming exercise. I don't know. Have you ever done any Tony Robbins stuff? Have you? I haven't. I know of it, but I haven't done it. All right. So he has this this priming exercise, which is if you Google Tony Robbins priming, there's like a 20 minute video where he takes you through some breathing exercises and some visualization and something like that. And then at the end of it, he guides you to make like a sound as like you know like some like you know happy sound like energy building up and that kind of thing and like i did that the first time i did it i did it in here and i hadn't told my wife about it and then i was just like <laughs> i just had at it i let it rip i'm telling you oh, and my wow. wife was like what the hell is going on now we've started doing it together it's really fun and it's really like that's brought out a a voice of mine that i didn't know i had Interesting. Uh, just like playing with that playing mm. and there's so much power you're a singer right so uh, like rapper singer 
So the, there's so much power in the voice. So it's actually something that's been super interesting for me to play with. Uh, mm. Finding yeah, that's, the, that's new voices. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, that's interesting. So yeah, I, I'm naturally, I'm naturally very chilled, just like I'm naturally very industrious and hardworking and orderly, et cetera. Um, and, but also creative. And actually it's quite rare to have that combination because most creative type people aren't also low in neuroticism or high in conscientiousness. So yeah, I'm, I'm a little bit of an, an anomaly in a lot of that regard. Um, and then also, like I said, I, my parents are wonderful. I've got incredible parents. My siblings are awesome. I come from a very stable, happy, loving family. Um, I've got a lot of great friends. I've got a lot of people that keep me, that keep me grounded. So even when stuff kind of gets a little bit crazy or I don't know, something blows up on Twitter and people are like, ah, Zuby this, Zuby that. What? Like, I don't, I don't really care. Like, it's weird. Like just uh, a lot, like, it's funny. There, there are a lot of people who, if they received even a fraction of what I do, even whether it's the love or the hate, like, I think it would drive them insane, right? They just wouldn't be able to mentally cope with it. But with me, it's kind of, it rolls off like, you know, once in a while, sometimes I'll just be like, oh gosh, like this is too much. But in that case, I just, delete the app from my, sometimes I, I delete the Twitter app from my phone, like once every couple of weeks, just for, if I just want a day and it's just like, yeah, I don't want to deal with this. I just delete the app and then, re <laughs> and then re reinstall it later. And it, it's just online. I mean, I, I care a lot about what people who know me think about me and people, or at least people who are open to liking me. I've kind of just accepted over time. Look, there are as much as some people like and love me and praise me and adore me and like all the things I do from my music to my podcast, et cetera, and just my personality and my views and the way I articulate myself, some people are going to love that. And you know what? There is a subset of the population that is not going to like it. And some people are just not going to like me. There's nothing I can say. There's nothing I can do besides being totally fake and changing my entire personality and worldview that could potentially make them even open to the idea of liking me. Right. And as a musician, I learned this a long time ago. I learned this a long time ago. I could, I could make the, I could make what the, the dopest song ever and release that. And you know what? Some people think it's trash. Some people are like, oh, this guy's terrible. He can't rap, whatever. And it's like, you know what? There's no musician in the world who everybody likes. There's lit. In fact, you'd be hard pressed to find a musician who most people like. Sure. Right. It's all based yeah. on having a, a niche audience. And some of it isn't even down to the artist. Some of it is just genre. If someone really, really, really dislikes hip hop, then once in a while, occasionally I can kind of win somebody over. But most of the time, if someone just doesn't even like the genre of music that I make, it's, it's going to be a tough sell for them to enjoy my entire album. And there are plenty of musicians out there who I'm sure are extremely talented and very good who I do not listen to just because I'm not into that style of music. And I, I learned to just accept that quite early on. Um, initially, you, you get that thing of kind of wanting everybody to like you and, you know, taking every criticism to heart and everyone who doesn't like you taking it to heart. And I'm at that stage now where I'm just kind of like, me, this, this circles back to the, grow, the growing up part, right? I think a level of that maturity is just me being like, you know what? I'm just going to be me. I'm going to be truthful. I'm going to be authentic. I'm going to just rep represent myself as I am and see where those chips fall. Cool. These people like me. These people don't. Some people are just apathetic. Cool. But um, 
the people who like me, the, that, that's really where my focus needs to be. I think a lot of people are scared of that these days, right? Oh yeah. Though, oh like, yeah. Of that, the backlash and like, I mean, oh, gosh, all yeah. these people that go on Twitter to find something to be offended about and yes. <laughs> shout out, right? <laughs> yes. Uh, um, I've, had, I've had that at least a hundred separate incidents by now. Yeah. Right. <laughs> um, I, I mean, that sounds low to me, to, <laughs> much lower than I'd expect. Um, yeah. Yeah. So how, you know, how was that? Like, was that obviously like being low in neuroticism sounds like that would be helpful. Oh, yes. Process. But even, <laughs> even so, like, what was that process like for you? Was there something that you had to reconcile within yourself or how did Man. you do that? It's, it's a good question. I mean, a lot of it has been, it's like building up reps in the gym, right? Mm -hmm. If you take someone who's never been in the gym before and is untrained and you whack 100 kilos on the bar and you want them to bench press it or squat it even, then they're probably going to get flattened. And, but if you take someone who has been putting in the reps and building up towards that for several years or over a decade, then they may well be able to handle that weight and lift it as if they're doing push-ups. So to me, it's kind of the same thing. I mean, I've been on Twitter since 2009. I've been on Facebook since 2004. And so I've been in the public eye to some degree for, for a while. I've been having a lot of practice. I get people who are like, man, how are you so good on Twitter? And I'm like, dude, I've been using Twitter for a decade. Right? <laughs> you know what I mean? I've been tweeting for Bench a decade, press. right? Yeah, I know, I know what works. I know how the system works. I know how, how it all operates. I've got just intuition in it. So it, it's the same like everything. So the way I think I'm able to deal with it is one, a function of my personality, as we were saying earlier, but then also just practice. I mean, the first time you get an, I don't know if you've ever had an online mob come after you, but like the, the, the first time it happens is kind of the, the, the weirdest time. The first time is kind of like, whoa, okay, this is a, this, this is kind of crazy. But then after it's happened once or twice, you kind of, you kind of know the drill and it's like, okay, this is just. And it uh, passes, right? And it passes and it passes. Mm -hmm. And, and most of the time it's um, it, it, like you said, I mean, some people, there are strange people, you know, like people who get angry in YouTube comment sections. There are some people who just go online and they want to vent. They're, they're angry. They're frustrated. Normally, they're not, these are not people who are super happy with their lives. They're, there's other internal stuff that's going on and they want an avenue to channel that towards, whether it's anger, envy, jealousy, outrage, whatever. So they go online and they look, they literally scroll through, they scroll to try to find something. <laughs> Right, so to try to find something that angers right. them, and then right. they dive in headfirst and they they go in there. It's an addiction, so, right? Like we're, we we get is. addicted to certain feelings, and so like yeah, you need your fix to feel like that. Like anger is a rush, right? A feeling mm -hmm. offended is a rush. You're like yes. <gasps> you feel powerful and you feel like righteous. You feel all that stuff, and like yeah, now I can forget my own shitty life for a little bit yeah. <laughs> and focus on trying to make someone else's life shitty. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah. and, and once you understand that mechanism, actually, it's a lot easier to deal with because you know that, look, if, if my whole family was angry at me, that's a totally, right? That would be a different thing. If, if, my, if one of my friends is angry at me, that's different because that's someone who knows me. That's someone I care about. And for them to be angry at me, I have probably really done something wrong, right? Or if yeah, I'm getting yeah. messages from my brothers and my sisters and my parents and they're like, Zuby, what are you doing? Right? I've, I've probably stepped out of line. 
if it's from anime avatars and pictures of dogs and cats and chickens with like three followers on Twitter who I've never encountered in my life and who really in a normal world shouldn't even be able to reach me, then why would I, why would I care? As I'm walking around outside, I'm not there thinking about the opinions of hundreds or thousands of people on the street. It's like, oh no, there are pixels on my screen. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, it it doesn't- Panic, right? Yeah, it doesn't matter. It's it's inconsequential. (laughs) It's totally inconsequential. It doesn't matter. And you can also flip it. I mean, you can use that to, I mean, I use it to boost my engagement. I use it to run sales. (laughs) I, I, I do what I call monetizing my haters. So if you get the people who are like really going for it, you can actually use those people if you're clever to almost market for you because they are just as obsessive as a legitimate hardcore fan. So, so they you spread the word about it. you and you get more followers. Oh, yeah. Is that is that the game? Uh, yeah. Or, or you can, um, I mean, I've had people who have said something to me and I've used the insult they hurled at me as a discount code to run a sale. Right? So, <laughs> so, I mean, I like dude, okay, no, look, look at my single that's come out. Okay, dude. Yeah. You saw the okay dude situation. So someone got me, someone got me suspended temporarily from Twitter for mm-hmm. writing okay dude. That was and that's and that that sucked. But what I did with that, I sold 250 okay dude t-shirts. I donated hundreds of dollars to multiple charities off of the t-shirt sales. Um I got a new single. I got a new music video. <laughs> so like I, I've t- and I gained while I was suspended, I gained ten thousand followers too. So I managed to take that entire situation. It's like a judo move, right? Someone comes at you like that, and it's yeah. like, oh, okay. Well, <laughs> you've actually Perfect. now, yeah, I know. I actually want to send that person some flowers because they've kind <laughs> yeah. of given me quite quite a significant boost because right. a lot of people heard about me because. Right of that situation people are like wait what someone someone got suspended for saying okay dude like i need to look at this who is this guy it was the same with the deadlift right. video right people are like wait so who, that, who, whoever who is that this person guy? at twitter was that suspended <laughs> your account was like yes that's that's thank you that's amazing yeah. something that always it. always helps me too is like you know these people don't know you at all right exactly. like no. it's kind of what you're saying like your family and your friends sure but these people for them you're just like whatever projection in their mind of basically mm-hmm. their own shit, right? Mm-hmm. It's nothing. Yeah, really I'm just another avatar. Yeah, yeah, I'm just, I'm exactly. just another avatar, but I've actually have my name and my face up there. Yeah. So yeah. yeah, I mean, it doesn't, it doesn't matter. It's, um, it's fun and it's fun. Like you have to be able to see the funny side of things. A lot of it is just having a sense of humor. And yeah. one thing I've, one thing I have done on my social media is I've cultivated a following of people who generally have a sense of humor. So, mm. and I, I can often say something and I can almost, sometimes I can read the reply, I read the replies and I can tell who follows me and who doesn't follow me, unless like maybe they're brand new follower, just based on the replies. Cause I could say something that's clearly satirical or a joke or whatever. And you find the people who like get really angry and outraged. And then other people are like, haha, that's just, that's Zuby being Zuby. You know what I mean? Right. Like, <laughs> so right. so it, it's, when it's fun. When did you get into music, Zuby? I got was into music always... in, wow. So I used to play piano when I was a kid. Mm-hmm. What um, kind I of started... classical pop? Like what kind of stuff? Jazz? I, I, it wasn't really genre specific. Okay. I just did, I just did, <laughs> I just did piano lessons. <laughs> yeah, I, I, just, I just did piano <laughs> lessons. and. <laughs> I, Mostly I mean, the white, I, or did you use the black too? <laughs> both of them. 
both of them. <laughs> yeah, so I played piano for, I used to do recitals and stuff. I played piano from the age of maybe seven, six or seven, up until 12 or 13. Um, I played trombone for a short time as well. And then mm -hmm. I sort of, I was never really into music as a kid though, right? Like mm -hmm. I did piano lessons kind of because my parents wanted me to. I didn't really super love it. I didn't hate it, but I didn't really love it. Um, did you have a piano a growing up? Yeah. Like a real, real actual piano back yeah, yeah, yeah. when people had those. Yeah. Yeah. I think we had two in I think we had two, in fact. Nice. Um, grand piano? Upright piano? No, no, it wasn't a grand piano. It was like a, just a Upright. smaller, yeah, smaller, smaller right. piano. Um, and then, yeah, I mean, when I was a child, actually, I wanted to be a cartoonist. That was my main mm -hmm. creative outlet. So anyone who went to school with me, anyone who knew me when I was younger, would have known me actually for my drawing. So if it was about art, it was always about drawing, not music. Do and you then still when do I, that? Uh, no, I can still draw though. I'm I'm still yeah. above average at drawing. But you're um, not using it. No, I don't really do anything with it. But it, you know, if you want me to draw a little cartoon, I can do it, and it will look I decent. I do want you to draw a yeah. cartoon. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like I can I can draw stuff, and it it looks decent. Um, and then when I was in university, I started rapping. So I started rapping when I was 18. Um, and yeah, that was, uh, that was the beginning of it. Just started doing it for fun. I'd been a fan of hip hop for a while, but I'd never tried writing my own stuff until I got to university. And then I did it and uh, I got good at it pretty quickly. Was there and something I released... that got you into it? Was it just the spur of the moment kind of thing? It was pretty spur of the moment, man. I got stuck in an airport for, <laughs> I had a 24 hour layover and I was bored and I was by myself and I just started writing some lyrics and I kept doing that during that whole vacation period. And then when I came back, I started finding beats on the internet and rapping over them and recording it and s sending it out to my friends and stuff. And yeah, within less than a year, I had my first album out. Right. Very cool. Congratulations. Thank you. Yeah. Do you listen to a lot of music these days? Or are you mostly focused on making your own? What's your... Man, yes, I do. I listen, I listen to music. I'm all, I'm almost always listening to something, unless I'm in the middle of proper work. If I'm not working, I'm normally listening to either music or podcasts or YouTube videos. I'm constantly. I, I listen to probably. I mean, I try to get through two to three books a month. Sometimes three to four if I'm if I'm doing well, and uh, normally one or two of those will be an audio book. So I've, I've always got a few things going on. I'll normally be reading three books at once, one physical, one digital, and one audiobook. So yeah, I'm always listening to stuff. And yeah, I love music, man. If I'm in the gym, if I'm training, definitely always have music. Um, and yeah, of course, of course, I love music. I'm a musician. No, I'm, I'm curious because like, I, so my, my journey was, I started with the accordion. So okay. I played the accordion for like five or six years. And then my father got sick of that. And so he sold it and bought a, a, a piano instead. <laughs> and so <laughs> then I was playing piano. <laughs> and then, accordion is a strange instrument. How did you, how did you get into accordion? Yeah, we had, there was a, they had like a showing at the school and there was a, you know, the accordion teacher showed up and I just, I was just fascinated with this instrument. Okay. So I was like, let me, <laughs> let me play that. Yeah. And it was like all these kinds of sailor songs and whatnot. I think it's a very German thing and Denmark is kind of close to German. So it's probably okay. more common over there than, than it would be in the UK or mm. Saudi Arabia. <laughs> or, yeah, or, no, or it's, it's one of those interesting instruments. It's a bit like, I don't know, accordions and bagpipes. And there, there are certain instruments yeah, where I'm just like, right. how, do you, how do you even get into 
how do you right. even get into that? You know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And so, yeah, but, and it bothered my dad, obviously. <laughs> so, <laughs> so I became a pianist and then like jazz piano, jazz music. And then, and then um, I had a longish break. And then a few years ago I got into singing and that led me into music, songwriting and music production and like all this online stuff, uh, nice. you know, like on, not online, but like computer um, production and all that. Mm-hmm. And I love making music, but I actually don't listen to a lot. So that's why okay. I, was, I was curious. Like, it's not oh, that I don't okay. like it. It's just yeah. that I'm always like, it distracts me when I'm working. And yeah. like, you know, I, I don't listen to music when I'm working. Yeah, I'm not I'm not someone who can listen to music and work, especially because the music I listen to is primarily lyric based. So right, exactly. The, yeah. The, yeah, the, the words, yeah. maybe if I just listen to classical or something, I could probably work to that. But um, yeah. I, I can't. I can't work to rap music because it right. doesn't work at all. All right, man. I know that you have you you've got to go because you got a, a a music video coming out out. Yeah, for man. The okay, dude, single. So yeah. I'm assuming for it's for Okay, dude. It is. Yeah, um, it is. Yeah. Um, really it, cool. Shot it during I, I, the lockdown. Nice. I <laughs> I love that track. Um, it was really fun. Like how Thanks, you man. incorporate Joe Rogan and uh, <laughs> <laughs> stuff in there. Yeah. And uh, let me see. Oh, I was thinking about like the, you mentioned that to me before that you have a Twitter course coming out. So I'm personally mm. very curious to see, see that. Cause I know that you're good at the, at the <laughs> so whenever yeah. that's available. It's going to help sure a lot of people. Know. It's definitely going to help a lot of people. Anyone who's trying to grow on Twitter or social media in general, uh, grow, engage, monetize. It's definitely going to help people. Nice. When is that coming out? It should be, uh, we're going to start promoting it at the very beginning of June. So it's my, it's myself and my friend, uh, Jose Rosado, who's an online entrepreneur. So we collaborated on the course and, um, yeah, I think it'll be the best Twitter course out there. All right. Nice. I want to, I want to see it. Can I help promote it? Uh, yeah, I guess so. Sure. Of course. All right. right. (laughs) (laughs) Of course. I'm not going to say, I'm not going to say no to promo. All right. Um, so yeah, let's wrap up. I, so, um, two final questions. Number one is like, where can people follow you? I know mm-hmm. Twitter, obviously we talked about that. Yeah, we've like, talked where about else that a lot. do you want to, would you want to send people to, to sure. follow up? So Twitter is my main platform, but I am on Twitter, Facebook, YouTube, Instagram, and minds.com. All of them are the same handle at Zuby music, Z-U-B-Y music, zubymusic.com is my main website. And you can find my music and podcast on all the usual places, iTunes, Spotify, etc. All right. Perfect. That's great. Thank you. We'll make sure to have those links up as well. And final question is, what's one message that you want to leave people with today? Don't give up. Keep working. Don't quit. Persevere. Whatever it is, one thing that separates successful people from not so successful people is just keep going regardless of the emotions and ups and downs, just keep progressing forwards and you will eventually get there if you're working on the right thing and you're good at it. Nice. I like that. Thank you so much, man. Really appreciate you. Thanks for coming on. Likewise, bro. Thank you for listening to the podcast episode. After 20 years as a serial entrepreneur, it's my passion to bring you ideas and insights from some of the best entrepreneurs, leaders, and thinkers in the world straight to your phone. We're going to be launching many, many more podcast episodes in the future, so please subscribe and leave a five-star review if you found any value at all from today's conversation. Your reviews and feedback mean the world to me. 